thank you for leading us in a time of prayer. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, my name is Scott Hemingway. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege of being able to be up here with Pastor Alana and do three-ish things, uh, what you need to know about what's happening here at the church. So I'm going to start off. And the first thing is Christmas services. We are having uh, two Christmas Eve services, as you can see up there, at 6 o'clock and at 8 p.m. on the 24th, and so we invite you to come. It should be a great time. We're looking forward to be able to gather here, a great time to bring some family and friends in to enjoy this, this service. What I also need to let you know is that there is no Christmas Day service. Um, you can blame me. I'll take full responsibility for that. Uh, I'm looking around at our staff. I'm looking around at our volunteers. And it's been a very uh, long season for us. And I feel that we need to have time and a little bit of a break. So we want to invite you to look around uh, here in the church and in your neighborhood. Who can you invite into your home and so that they are not missing out? And that's who we are as a community. So please look forward to how you can invite others in, but there will be no Christmas Day service. Okay, thanks. Speaking of Christmas, just a big thank you to those that came in yesterday, set up for Christmas, yes. We had some Cape and Ray students, um, Louise was here, there were some other people here as well, so thank you so much for doing that, it looks great. Um, hey, my, one of, my number two is Adopt a Project. We mentioned this about a month ago and haven't had a chance to come back to it, but we still need your help taking care of the church, taking care of the grounds. We, um, we don't have a full-time groundskeeper and we don't uh, contract a full-time groundskeeper. And you may have noticed the carpet of leaves out there. We had a group of youth come in a month ago. There was 30 of them, youth leaders, some parents came and raked up all the leaves, but as we know, they keep falling and falling. So we need the leaves picked up again. There's other things. Gutters need to be cleaned. The building needs to be washed. We were on water restrictions last month still and couldn't do that. So again, if you can go to our events page, this is on there. It lists all the jobs. So you can sign up for one, bring your friends, bring your house church, bring your family, and just um, spend an hour or two helping us take care of our building, that would be great. Super. I know there's a few other people that trickle in and do some things and blow some leaves, but yeah, we need, we need extra help, so please consider that. My second one is having to do with today, after the service, we're having a Q&R, a question and response. Many of you have written in questions, that's fantastic and that's good. And those will be shared, as many as we can. We're hoping we can take some from the floor. Time is at whatever it is. But we want to invite you to please stay for that. And I will explain how that's going to go at the end of our service. Then on the 29th, we as a church family, a congregation, we are going to have a general meeting. And we are inviting you to come. Whether you are a member or you're not a member, you're welcome to come to that meeting. You're welcome to ask questions. Whether you're a member or you're not a member, you're welcome to ask questions. At the end of the day, though, it's the membership that will vote. But we want to invite and make sure that you all feel welcome to come, whether you're a member or not. Um, we want this to, uh, to have a voice from us as a church family. So that's going to be happening on the 29th, 7 o'clock, here at the church. That's Tuesday. So it's coming up soon. 
Great, and I'm going to slide in a fourth. Um, as you know, uh, we've talked about this a bit too. Uh, we do have a job opening still in Kinzone in the house. Uh, we've talked about that about a month ago. Um, we have had some applications. We're doing some starting interviews this week, but just wanted to kind of give you last notice if that's been something you've been thinking about, praying about, um, and you've been sort of waffling in on the fence on whether you should apply, it is time to do so um, before we start doing interviews. So you can talk to me about that. You can email me, um, drop a resume off, and that would be great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Alana. So before uh, Simon comes up, I want to invite uh, Astrid Welch to come, and she's going to read some scripture that Simon's going to be preaching on this morning. So... Good, good morning. I'm going to be reading from John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. If you want to look that up, John chapter 8, starting at verse 12. <clears throat> and I'm going to do that. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards, I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Well, good morning, everybody. It is absolutely fantastic to see you all again this morning. It's been a great week. My wife and I have had a fantastic time getting to know so many wonderful people getting to know the valley, getting to know the ministries. We had a great time last night with the family at FX. And if you've not been there before, I highly recommend you go. They have a great time. But it's Advent, and Scott has asked me to share a little bit on the light that brings hope at Advent time. When I was little, I don't know if you get this over in Canada, but when I was little, you'd get an Advent calendar and... I would open up the door on a morning and there would be a little picture. Can you remember those little pictures of like a candle or a, a robin? Um, do you get robin redbreasts over in Canada, right? Okay, or something. And as a child, I didn't know any better. It was like, yes, I've got a robin. Or you'd open up and there'd be a little snowman or something. Yes, yeah, snowman. And then one day my mom came home from work and she gave me an advent calendar and it had chocolate inside. Wow. 
wow, like my life just changed, right? And you need all the, the chocolates and you kind of try and close the door, you know, like a whole week's worth of chocolate in a day. And then try and close the door so nobody knew you kind of sneaked in there. Um, but these days, Advent calendars, they come in all shapes and sizes. You can get Lego Advent calendars or chocolate bar Advent calendars. But they all do the same thing, don't they? They all count down to the time for Christmas Day. A time when we can remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And Advent is that time. Advent is, the calendars are a time of Advent. And that's what Advent is. Advent is a time of waiting and expecting the coming of Jesus Christ again. And the word Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which just means coming, arrival. And that word Adventus comes from the Greek word parousia, which describes the, the return of Jesus Christ again. It's the anticipation of Christ returning once again into our lives. And so Advent is a time of, of waiting. We can say it is a time of celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's a time of celebration of the time when Christ has come into our lives and we've been born again. And it is a time of waiting and expecting the Messiah to once again return. Scott has asked me to speak this morning on an Advent and the light of hope. And we have so much hope this morning. We were worshiping God. And thank you, Megan, for leading our worship this morning. When we're singing them songs, it just inspires me the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And I want us to look at the passage in John chapter 8, where Jesus said in verse 12, if you've got your Bibles, please Turned with me to John chapter 8. And Jesus Christ says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When Jesus said this to the people, to his audience, he's speaking to the Jewish people in a Jewish holiday. And the holiday that he's speaking into is the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is a, is a wonderful holiday. It's an eight-day holiday, eight days of just celebrating. And, this, and the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles is a holiday of anticipation of the arrival of the Messiah. And so for eight days, the Jewish people are celebrating the, the anticipation of the Messiah coming once again to, to free them, to redeem them. Now, in our passage, here's a bit of context, a bit of Old Testament context here. Yeah? I think it's important. If we for temporarily just um, ignore the first eight, uh, 11 verses of chapter 8, because they were, you know, the earliest manuscripts, never, never had them. The passage beforehand, it, it leads us quite nicely from chapter 7 into chapter 8. And if you turn to the beginning of chapter 7, we see that Jesus is going into the Feast of Tabernacles. So chapter 7, verses 2 to 3. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea, um, so that your disciples may see your miracles. Jesus is like, no, no, no. 
The disciples want him to go to show what, who he is, to reveal himself. And Jesus says, it's not the time. Verse 6, he says, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. And so he says to his brothers, you go to the feast. I'm going to stay. I'm going to go in secret. And so in verse 10, he says, after his brothers left for the feast, he also went, not publicly, but in secret. Christ goes to the Feast of Tabernacles in secret. But we know he doesn't, it's not too secret because he's just declared to the whole congregation there that he's the light of the whole world. In verse 12, Jesus goes and he declares, he reveals to everybody who he truly is. And I think there are seven, or I think there's several really important points for us to take away in the passage here this morning. Points that we perhaps overlook when we read the scriptures because we, we're not Jewish and we don't understand the Jewish festivals. Or perhaps we're not really, we don't speak Greek and we lose, you know, 2,000 years later, we lose that, um, the, the meaning that the original readers would have taken from it. And so there's a couple of things I want to just highlight to us this morning, which just reveals the glory and the sovereignty and the majesty of Jesus Christ that I want to share with you this morning. And when I read these, I get all excited about who Jesus Christ is and the importance of Christ in my life. Is that okay? Can we just unpack scripture a little bit this morning? When Jesus said, he says this, the first thing I want to highlight is that Jesus says, I am. Christ says, yeah, so first, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. Hold that in our minds. But the second thing is Jesus says, I am. And that is a huge statement to make. Jesus Christ declares, I am. In the Greek, it is ego, emi. And it is the clearest statement Christ uses. This is a statement he uses of himself several times. And the clearest example of this is in John 8, 58, and this shows the gravity of the statement. John 8, 58. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Jesus is telling all of the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, I, I was born before Abraham, the father of the church. He says, I am. They're about to stone him. It's so serious, a claim that they want to kill him for almost for heresy in their mind. And it comes from Exodus. Exodus 3, verse 14. And this is where the statement originates from. Exodus 3, 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord of your God, of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is the name forever, forever the name by which I will be remembered from generation to generation. So when Jesus Christ is saying, I am, he is telling everybody, he is the God from Exodus. 
He's the God over all things. When God calls himself I am in Exodus 3, it is a pivotal moment of redemptive history. God is revealing himself to his people and he's saying, I'm going to free you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to lead you and guide you and be your God forever. God says to Moses, tell people I am. It's going to free you from Egypt. Going to redeem you. Going to lead you. And he does. God guides them out of Egypt. God guides them through the Red Sea, through the wilderness, provides them, cares them, loves them. By night, he sends this pillar of fire to guide them, this light to lead them in the darkness. God's name, I am, discloses who he is and what he is like. He is the I am, the eternal, the unchanging, the self-existent, the infinite, the glorious in every way, and above and beyond all created things. Jesus says, I am. He is saying, I am God. For me, this is just like mind-blowing, and it's so easy just to read over it in Scripture. But when he says this to his readers, this would have been just unacceptable to to make such a claim. John 6, I like this one. This This is one of my favorites. John 6, 20. And it's not, my Bible doesn't even say it. John 6 is when Jesus walks in the water and the, and the water is blowing all around. John 6, 16 to 21. The disciples are scared in the board. Jesus is walking on the water and he says to them, he's just walking in there casually in the water with the disciples. Verse 20, he said to them, it is I. In the Greek, it is I am. He says to them, I am. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on the board, on boat, and immediately the boat reached to the shore where they were heading. Jesus is declaring to the disciples when they're in distress, when there's a whole chaos going around them, I am. Jesus isn't a helper of God or a great teacher. He's all he's them things anyhow. But he's more than that. Jesus is declaring in this passage that he's divine that he's infinite, that he's perfect. He's Israel's God, he's my God, he's your God, he's with us. I am the light of the world. And so Christ declares this. And the second thing Jesus does, he highlights, he's at the Feast of Tabernacles, so he declares that he's at this feast of, of, of tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles is, is a fascinating um, holiday that uh, the Jewish people have. So the holidays, there are seven main festivals that the Jewish people have. And the first festival is the Passover, which is a time to remember when God redeemed the Jewish people from Egypt. And there are the holidays throughout the year. And it ends with the Feast of Tabernacles. 
this kind of uh, plan, this program through the air of guiding. They follow a journey throughout the year. And it, at the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the last of the year. And it is a time of, of celebrating restoration. They are looking forward to a time of restoration. They were looking forward to a time of the Messiah coming once again. And this is what Advent is all about. For us today, it is very similar to the Feast of Tabernacles where we are looking forward to the Messiah, Christ, coming back once again in our lives. And so we prepare ourselves and we tell ourselves, be ready. Are we ready for Christ coming again in our lives? If he was to return today, could we honestly declare that we are ready to meet our maker and be embraced by Christ? And when he says to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so the Jewish people gather. And what they do for eight days is that they make these little tabernacles. And so they, they would meet, they build these tabernacles and they would meet uh, through the week. And there's a picture next of them gathering together and remembering all that God has done in their lives and waiting for, you know, in anticipation of the Messiah coming again to free them from the Romans, to free them from the, you know, the, give them a better life, the promised land that God had given them. And so when Jesus is teaching in the courts, what you find is in verse 20, it says here, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his time had not come. Jesus is declaring this in the temple that it's called the, the courtyard of, the, of women or the courtyard of offerings. That's what it's called. And everybody in this time, they would come together and they would, at the end of the day, everybody would gather together in the area and they would celebrate. And what you find is that they would light these big massive torches, these big lights, a bit like our candles here. They would light these lights. I think I've got some, a picture. Can you see those lampstands there? Two ginormous lampposts. And within each lamppost, there are four containers. And so there's 16 containers of oil in these lamps. And there's a little priest. Can you, can you go back one picture there, please? So the, the little priest would climb up there. Can you see? There's a little, that's a model. Little fella there just climbing up there. He's climbing up the post. And they would carry about um, 40 liters of oil in a big vessel. And they would put it on top of the, this lamp. And they would light, and when it was getting dusk, they would light. And you can see some of the pious. If you can go back one more again. These guys are great in the back. And everybody would stand, the pious ones, the priests would stand on the, on the steps. And they would just sing psalms of praise, waiting for the Messiah to return. And they would light these lights. Now you can do it. And these, you can see these, these lamps are just on fire. There's a big, big light. We went to Ladysmith on, what night was it? Thursday night. It was great. There's a countdown. The lights came on. There was fireworks. It was brilliant. There was Tim Hortons. There was like, it was just a great night. All of the, all of the Canadian stuff going on at once. It was just brilliant, you know. And we met, and we, my wife and I, we went, and we met with, with some families down there, and we were waving the people that we knew in the, in, the, in the trucks, and 
It was great. It's as if we've been here forever. And lovely community. And the lights, we have the lights. We want to celebrate with lights, don't we? Our trees are decorated with lights and the Jewish people are the same. But they have a significance. And so they light these big lanterns. And history would tell us that every house in Jerusalem, the light would fall on every house. It was so bright and so magnificent that the light would shine all over the full city. And the lights symbolized two things for the Jewish people. It had a significance. And the first thing is this. It was the reality of the light of lights. The Shekinah glory in my next slide. There we go. The light of lights, the Shekinah glory, the glory of God that we see in 1 Kings 8, where the glory of God will come down upon the temple. The temple was built and the glory of God just settled on the people. The glory of God was there for everybody to see. And it says in Kings that the, the priests couldn't even go into the temple because the glory of God was so bright and radiant. And so because the people had turned their backs on God, the glory of God had gone. And so they light these lights as a sort of substitute for that. And the second reason that they have these, these big lights there is because they are looking toward the great light to return. <clears throat> Isaiah 9 verse 2 tells us the people walk in darkness. They have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. They are waiting, they are expecting this light to return the Messiah. And it was at this time at this celebration, that Jesus Christ says, I am the light. Do we get the context, the, 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 the gravity of this statement? You're saying that you're, you're looking for the glory of God? You're looking for the Messiah who's going to lead you out of darkness into light? I am the light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. All of a sudden, one John makes sense. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, has come into the world. Jesus is literally saying in the Jewish temple during the celebration of light, I am the Messiah. I'm the light of the world that you're looking for, the glory of God in human form. The fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies, I am, I am here. I am your God. And the saddest thing is that they wanted to stone him for declaring it. They never saw it. So how does it apply to us today? When I understand that, what Jesus Christ is declaring... I am so thankful in my life that I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, that I live post-cross, that I live now, today, and I can recognize who Jesus Christ is in my life. When I open my Advent calendar and I'm disappointed by a little robin behind the door, I know that I have the Messiah in my life. And I'm so thankful every day. When I was in a student at Cape Henry in Austria, I spent four months there. I went caving 
with the principal. The principal there selected about five or six guys, and he said, listen, we need to go caving and do some work in this cave. So we went, and I was, it was a big trek of a, of, a, of a mountain, and we went into the cave, and it was pitch black, absolutely dark. And the snow on the Alps was melting, and all the snow was turning into water, coming into the cave, and it was quite scary. And we had these little, um, these lights, uh, they had some sort of like calcium carbide in them, and you put water in, you produce a gas. But for some reason, mine just stopped working two hours into the cave, and it went dark, pitch black. It, I, I'm, I'm claustrophobic, you know, naturally. They were literally dragging me into the cave when I got up there. So I was already scared, and I was going into the dark. And then I heard this water just trickling all around me, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is the worst. What am I doing here? So I go in my backpack and I find this LED torch that the batteries are failing a little bit. And everybody's gone. The team have gone, they've just gone ahead and it is dark. And I'm praying, God, what am I doing here? This is the worst. And I put my LED torch on my head and I turn it on. And this tiny little light comes on. But it was enough to dispel the darkness. Even the smallest of lights removes the darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. How fortunate we are to have creator God in our lives. When he says this, when he declares this, he says, I am the great light who the prophet Isaiah said would come and lead the people. And he said, God in the flesh is saying, I am the glory of God. When we look at Jesus Christ, we can see the glory of God in him, the second person of the Trinity, right? Yes? Amen. Oh, okay, phew. <laughs> Whenever we see the light of Jesus Christ, we can remember that Jesus is the spiritual light in this dark world. And the world needs to hear the light. And the light, light, just light in general brings so many things. We have lights on here now. Light has so many wonderful, beautiful properties. Light brings life. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light brings life. We see this in plants. We see this in just how it brings life to all around us. This island is full of life. Beautiful island. Beautiful valley. We have it because of light. Light illuminates our path wherever we're going. And it's a dark island here as well. I discovered in the car. My goodness, on the nighttime, it's pitch black. But we have light to get light our way. Jesus Christ is the light that leads us through Scripture, through prayer, through our relationship with Him. If you follow Jesus Christ in your life, I tell you, he will, he's gone before us. He tells us in, our, in the word of God. He's gone before us. Keep following Jesus. Keep studying your word. Keep praying to him and he will guide you. He will, his, his, his road is a good road to follow. Never abandon Jesus. Light provides safety in our lives. That's why kids like to go to bed with a little light light. That's why when cities, when there's a power outage, Burglaries and robbings and things go up. Light provides safety. 
Christ in our lives. I'm not saying life's going to be sweet, but we have the assurance of Christ and all of his promises in our lives today. Light brings health. That's my beach back at home. My wife and I live five minutes from the beach. My kids love surfing on there and bodyboarding and kayaking, and it's great. But in the summertime, everybody pours out onto the beach because the sun, we love the sun, right? It brings us light, health, vitamin D. It brings us, I don't know, emotional health. A little light can bring health. When I don't follow Jesus Christ in my life, you get grumpy, Simon, on the morning. When I don't read my Bible and I don't pray, I, 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 I can know I, I, I need Jesus in my life every day. He gives me that health, that strength to keep on going. But my ultimate point is that the light brings us hope. That's what Scott's asked me to speak on, the hope of Jesus Christ in my life. Not just a hope like as a superficial hope, but an assurance, a biblical assurance. Christ in me, that hope of glory. Just when I turned that small light on in that cave, I had a hope that I can get out. I knew where I was going. John 1, 4 to 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The darkness has not understood it means that the darkness of evil never has and never will overcome and extinguish God's light. Jesus Christ is the creator of life. And his life brings life, light to all mankind. In his light, we see ourselves for who we truly are, sinners in need of a savior. And when we follow Jesus, the true light, we can avoid walking blindly into sin. And so my encouragement is this, keep following the light, keep following Jesus, keep confessing our sins. He's the hope that we have. Put your trust in Jesus when we, you know, Believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We have the hope of eternal life. This is what Christ has come. This is what he's declaring in the scriptures. This is the hope that we have this Advent time. Jesus is declaring at the Feast of Tabernacles that he's the long-awaited Messiah who would restore Israel and everybody else who puts their trust in him. The Feast of the Tabernacles was a celebration of anticipation of the coming Messiah and Jesus Christ is saying, I am here. Having Jesus in our lives today is even more of a celebration, right? That's why we, you guys are going to be celebrating on Christmas Eve. My church at home will be celebrating on Christmas Day. The return of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming once again. Christ in my life. Jesus is the living, giving, hope-bearing, healing presence of God today in our world. And they need him so much. In calling himself the light of the world, Jesus is reminding us that just as much as our body and our world needs the sun, 
Our souls need him so much. When I came out of that cave eight hours later, my, my eyes were a little bit adjusted to the dark. And I came out and I was squinting and I didn't like the light at first. But within a few minutes, I was so glad that the sun was just shining on my face. And it's similar to people today. When people hear about Jesus Christ, they respond differently. And people respond differently to the word of Jesus, yeah. For example, verse 13. Some religious people rejected Jesus when he said that he was the light of the world. Verse 13, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. They rejected Jesus. When people, they wanted to stone him at times, but he wasn't, he wasn't ready. Some people asked further questions. Others were inquisitive enough to ask him for more information. John 25, who are you, they asked. They wanted to know more. And others, we see there in verse 30, some believed and received in him. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And do you have the light of Christ in your life today? Do you have the God eternal living and resting in you today? And if that's the case, I hope it is. Jesus says, I want you to be my light in the world today. Matthew 5, 14. Jesus challenges his disciples and says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It is our responsibility now to be the light of Jesus Christ. When people see us, do they see the glory of Christ in our lives today? Do people know that we love Jesus? Are we radiant? Are we glowing for Jesus? Are we reflecting Christ in our lives like the, like the moon reflects the sun? And if that's the case, then people will respond in three different ways. They'll either reject Jesus, expect it. They'll either be inquisitive and want know, to know more. That's why we have Alpha courses and discipleship courses. Or they'll accept him and receive him with such joy. We have a responsibility as Christians to be active and not passive. To allow our circumstances to be opportunities to shine for Jesus. And the light that we carry will be visible for all to see so others may experience this light of hope that we have in Jesus Christ too. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we are able just to have the light of Jesus Christ in our lives. We thank you that you are the light of the world. And our hope is that firm assurance that we have life in Jesus Christ when we put our trust in you. An assurance that cannot fade or spoil. Lord, your scripture tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from your love in our lives. 
We thank you that you are there. You are our rock. You are our foundation. You are our assurance. You are the light of hope that we have. And I thank you that when we put our trust in you, we have life now and we have life for all eternity. And I pray, Lord, this Christmas time, this Advent, that everything that we do, every conversation that we have, every good deed that we do in your name is an opportunity for us to shine that light, to let our light shine, to let your glory radiate through us so that all men might know truly who you are. We love you, Lord Jesus, so much. Amen.